0: We all know them and as the saying goes, if you don't, you may well be one. I'm talking about difficult people and they can be the bane of our lives. Terrible bosses, tricky siblings, even those friendships that just seem to have run their course. Somehow we end up finding more energy into managing these people than the relationships that actually add joy and value to our lives. So how do we deal with them whilst protecting our energy? And when is it time to just call it a day? I'm Ed Stott, and you're with me on That's Helpful. And I am thrilled to tell you that the wonderful Dr. Rebecca Ray is back with me again. She's a clinical psychologist, and her latest book is dealing with difficult people. If you caught her a few episodes ago chatting about boundaries, you'll know how incredible she is, and you you want to check out that episode too because that's going to help you with this. Beck, thank you so much for coming back. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me back, Ed. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Ah, such a joy. I feel like we're friends. I know we've only chatted for like two hours, but I'm like, oh. Oh, Beck, I know Beck. (laughs) No, absolutely. I can't. I'm pocketing you as one of my friends. (laughs) So Beck, who are we talking about when we're talking about difficult people? Because we can have like tricky people in our lives or, you know, those people who just piss us off, but they're Mm. not necessarily difficult people. So who are the difficult people?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really important place to start because... Mm. It's unrealistic to think that we'll like everyone in life (laughs) and to think that everyone will like us. And I think that's sometimes a really difficult thing to accept, especially when it's the reverse, because we want to be like, um, but there are personalities that just don't mesh with ours and that's okay. That doesn't make you difficult and it doesn't make the other person difficult. When we're talking about a difficult person, by definition, though, we're talking about someone who consistently violates your boundaries and therefore violates your psychological safety, your emotional safety. And they also do that by often projecting their emotional messiness onto you. What psychologists call dysregulation. So, um, at any moment, any given moment, we're regulating ourselves. So we're actually responding to the present moment. We're managing our emotions. We're managing our thoughts. Um, Largely this happens out of our consciousness, uh, sorry, out of our um, awareness. So you're in a place where you... I'm moderating what's happening for you in your present moment experience. Difficult people will often feel intensely and then project that intensity onto you. And in doing so, they violate your emotional and psychological safety and make you feel yuck.
0: Mm, Yeah, and we all know that person. And one of those terms that um, we've all heard is like emotional vampires. So you can leave them feeling absolutely exhausted, right? They just suck all your energy. Yep. Yeah, so, 100%. And red they, flags too. Oh,
1: red. There's red flags everywhere. With difficult people, we're talking about red flags everywhere. Yeah. But what we're really talking about is the consistency of those red flags. So we're not talking about someone that's having a bad day, because that can be all of us. We can all yeah. behave poorly. Um, but we're also not talking about someone who's living a bad chapter either. If you're going through a divorce, or if you're caring for a terminally ill parent, or if you've just had a little bubba and you're not sleeping at all, um, and you've got hormones raging through your body, you could very well be behaving in ways that are not necessarily effective. But the difference between someone that is experiencing that and a difficult person is often the person having a bad chapter or a bad day actually cares about the impact that they're having on others. They don't feel great about behaving poorly. (laughs) They they come back later and try to repair the situation or repair the relationship. And that's a huge difference between um, a person that is not difficult and a card carrying difficult person. A card carrying difficult person, Probably doesn't have insight into their behavior. And if they do have insight, they very likely don't care about the outcome because they're probably gaining some kind of advantage from behaving that way.
0: Yeah, interesting. And then at the other end of the spectrum, to like the people who are just having a difficult time, is the people who are actually dangerous. How do you know if they're like they've crossed the line from difficult to dangerous? Yeah, this is why this book did my head
1: in to write. Like, (laughs) honestly, it broke my brain because there's so much nuance here. Like yeah. uh, I wasn't writing a book about dangerous people. Dangerous people are people who take difficult behaviors and they turn them criminal really. Yeah, um, yep. so we're talking about coercive control. We're talking about assault, physical and sexual. We're talking about people who take it to the next level. So Difficult People, the book, wasn't about that. It was about the people who are in this murky middle where their behaviors are often emotional and uh, emotionally based. So you can't necessarily see them. They're Mm. often very difficult to describe and they're often um, so subtle that you can just be in a position where you can say, I don't really like that person, but I don't know why. Like I don't, I don't know why they make me feel so horrible whereas dangerous people are violating your
0: boundaries in a very obvious way. I think that piece around I, I don't know why is a big mm. deal because yeah. I think sometimes we can reason ourselves out of it and we can think, oh, maybe it was me, maybe this, you know, and you're thinking so much around it. When the the big deal is like that gut feeling that you leave them not feeling good, like that's a huge sign, Right. Someone asked me the other day, "How do I know that I'm dealing with a
1: difficult person?" And my first answer was because they make you feel uncertain.
0: They make you doubt.
1: They make you do exactly what you've described. So, um, in a non-clinical term, my non-clinical term is they make you feel ick. Like there's just that ick factor, and that's your intuition saying something's wrong here. Like I don't. I don't know what's happening, but then oftentimes difficult people will make you go beyond your intuition. They actually make you doubt your intuition and then make you believe that there's something wrong with you. And so you start to think, well, what did I do wrong that made them behave like that? This, this, There must be something about me that's defective, mm-hmm. not them. And they leave you with this intense self-doubt so yeah. that you walk away with them spending all this space in your head, like you spend so much time and energy thinking about them, even when you're not around them, because you're left with this self-doubting experience around your interactions with them and what went wrong.
0: And so we are so often, you know, as I said earlier, we just pour more effort and more energy often into these people because I don't know in some ways maybe we feel like we can fix them or we can get to the bottom of it is that true or are we kidding ourselves with difficult people look I think I think that's a
1: false hope uh. yeah with card carrying difficult people. Most of the time, I think it's a false hope. I think I think there are certainly some difficult people out there that don't intend to be difficult and they are difficult because they're traumatised and they haven't had a chance to heal yet or because they've been raised by people who were difficult and didn't model healthy relationships and healthy boundaries. And so they've landed in adulthood, just not knowing how to interact in healthy ways. And I think those people are capable of healing, you know, given the right opportunity and given uh, an experience of unconditional love and safe and healthy relationships but I think when 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 you're dealing with a card-carrying difficult person that is not responsive to opportunities to heal or safe relationships then that that probably is a false hope and I I just want to speak to the desire to fix for a moment because I think that's something important it's a really important point and I think women in particular experience this and we are raised often to be the problem solvers uh, when it comes to emotional things. So often oh, yeah. uh, there's this cultural divide where men are expected to problem solve practically but women are expected to problem solve emotionally. So there's mm-hmm. if there's an emotional problem uh, that exists in the family system or in friendships or in the workplace, then not only are women often looked at as the cause of that but they're also looked at as the solution the if there's anything emotional then the woman wom- then the woman should sort, of sort it out and I think that so incredibly unfair but and just it's just so gendered it's gendered bullshit really but what we're dealing with is we're also dealing with brains No matter the gender, that have a negativity bias. So, research shows us that, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, we have uh, been made up of DNA of um, hominids 100,000 years ago that were roaming the savannah in clans that. Uh, We're facing life or death situations on a daily basis. So the software that we're dealing with in our brains is incredibly old and hasn't been updated to 2023 where most of us are not facing life or death on a daily basis. But we're still dealing with this brain neural software that prioritises focusing on problems and the solving of those problems because then we'll be safe. Because once upon a time, 100,000 years ago, If you didn't worry about where your next water source or food source was going to come from, if you didn't worry about whether or not that was a rival clan in the distance, then you were likely going to die. Like, you know. (laughs) Kind of a big deal. Yeah, kind (laughs) of a big deal. And so we are the ancestors of warriors. Warriors, yes, but also very much worriers because the ones that worried were the ones who were more likely to survive long enough for their genes to be passed on. So we today we have brains that have this negativity bias to look for the problem. If this person is a problem in your life, it's natural that your brain would then start to um, run this program that says, um, "Fix this person.exe," right? Like let's make sure that we do the things that can somehow make this person better to deal with. The unfortunate thing is though that we can't control other people like mm. I when I had a conversation with my publisher about writing this book I um <laughs> I had this conversation with her she's like can you just write this book where you talk about what to do and how to manage these people and I was like well no Because you're going to want me to write the answer where I can make the person better to deal with. And I can't do that. All I can do is give you tools to be able to manage yourself better in response to these interactions that are difficult. Now, lucky my publisher is incredibly um, well versed in self development literature. And so she was quick to say, no, 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 it's all right. I don't expect you to write the book that says this is how we control other people. (laughs) You You can do it your way. But also, the thing that I think most people hope for when they pick up a book like Difficult People is what's the answer? Can you please give me the answer? And the bad news is I can't give you the answer to them. I can give you understanding to how the very uh, likelihood is that you know, they developed in a certain way or they weren't provided for in a certain way, which has made them difficult. I can help you understand why they're doing what they're doing, but I can't help you to change what they're doing. I can only help you to change what you do in response.
0: Which is so important. I want to talk about some of the techniques we can use to, um, you know, operate ourselves around difficult people in a second. But from initially is it important that we try to understand where they're coming from and how they're reacting to us? Yeah, I think it is because I
1: think that that helps with the um, creation of empathy. It yeah. helps to provide us with greater levels of empathy and that then means that we can stick to our values of being decent people because I think even if someone's behaving in a difficult way around you, if you then uh, stoop to their level and start behaving in ways that are similar, you're going to feel not so great about yourself. You're very likely going to feel out of integrity with your own values around relationships and around who it is that you want to be and what you want to stand for. And I think empathy is the foundation that we all need to function in healthy ways in our relationships. So I think even to deal with the difficult person in a healthy way, I think what happens beyond, sorry, what happens at the basis of that is that you develop empathy for their experience first. Now, let me just clarify what empathy is in case it gets confused for our listeners. Empathy is understanding uh, that this person has a particular perspective. So you put yourself in their shoes and see the world from where they're standing. It doesn't mean that you agree with their behaviors. It doesn't mean that you mm. agree with how they've chosen to go about um, being in the world. Empathy simply means that you offer them um, the space to be existing because they do things a certain way and you try to understand that. So When we're talking about empathy for difficult people, it means that uh, you may not know about their background, but so often difficult people are people that we actually end up spending decades with because we're either related to them or we work with them and it's not... It's just not as easy <laughs> as it's made out to be. Sometimes to just walk out the door and get another job, right? So you need to often spend lots of time with these people, and that's what makes them just so incredibly difficult. So sometimes you do know a bit of background about them, and that background is very likely that they had a rough childhood, or they had parents or grown ups who raised them who were difficult themselves, and so they didn't really have a chance from the get go. Mm. Um, And the other impact is that they've been traumatized as children um, and sometimes that trauma has nothing to do with their parents whatsoever Uh, and sometimes they've been traumatized as adults. So sometimes we can have a fine childhood, everything's okay, and then you land in adulthood and you end up in perhaps a toxic first relationship and it ends up uh, having such a negative effect on you that it almost changes your personality. Um, I saw this actually a lot, not so much relationship wise, but in my time in clinical practice, I spent a lot of time treating police and military personnel, both current serving and retired. And so often I would speak to their partners and I would get this story and the story would be, um, he or she was this type of person before they started the job or before they were deployed and when they got back they were a completely different person so trauma can really impact how we actually relate to the people that we love and how we how we actually just our general way of being in the world so the creation of empathy is that you can see where the person's coming from in terms of this is life is really hard for them they they have very Um, ineffective ways of coping and those coping strategies have a negative effect on other people now understanding that doesn't necessarily make them easier to deal with it just means that you can connect with your own values around who you want to be Um, and sometimes empathy can um, extend to compassion and that can just make everything a little more smooth
0: and perhaps make us less reactive. You know, if we understand that the situation is more about what's gone on for them and what's going on for them, then maybe we're less likely to initially get angry and really, you know, react negatively, which I know is a, is a no-no. <laughs> well, sometimes we can't help it, I think, <laughs> depending on what they do. Um,
1: I mean, we're not perfect either, even though we're not necessarily True. difficult people, but, but Yes, absolutely. It can make us less reactive. And the other thing that that makes me think of um, is that it can often mean that we are far less likely to take it personally. So if you know that this person has been wired this way, Mm -hmm. um, either through the way they were raised or through trauma or both, then it's easier to say, look, this is about them. It's actually, this is not a me problem. It's a them problem.
0: I want to talk about how we can uh, navigate that ourselves in a second, but one of the things that I sometimes do when I come across a difficult person is I would... um like either connect if they're like a colleague I would connect with my boss and say hey look I don't want you to do anything about this but I've noticed this pattern of behavior is this consistent with how this person reacts with everybody in the team or is this just about me and often they come back and they go nah that's just how they operate and then I'm like well that's fine then if it's not about me personally absolutely fine I can manage that but I think that reassurance that it's not just you it's not a personal thing is massive Me, yes, it's
1: so true because that means that you can then sit back and go, Okay, I don't need to turn myself inside out and upside down, Mm. make sure that I'm different in response to them. Um, and what it also does is it means that you're in a position where if they're behaving in such a way that this is across the board, you can step back and make a decision around how much you want to engage in that. Yeah, now. One one thing I do want to point out is that sometimes if you work with this person for a long time or if this is someone that is a family member, so you haven't cut them off, you spend time with them regularly, what can happen is you can develop a, an interpersonal or relational cycle between the two of you. So what happens is this person does that and in response you do this and around and around we go. So we end up in these behavioural patterns where the difficult person does their difficult thing, and we expect them to do that difficult thing. So, in defense, to be able to protect ourselves and cope, we then do the thing that probably maximizes they continue doing difficult things.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: around and around. Like it just repeats. And so, part of Uh, One of the things I wanted to do in writing difficult people was to help people raise their awareness of their own behaviours in relation to these people that might be perpetuating cycles that they actually don't want to continue participating in. Hmm. Oh,
0: it's so true, isn't it? So, if we've gotten to the point where we've understood their situation, you know, we've co- we're coming from a place of empathy, and um, we've identified they're a difficult person. They're not just having a shitty week. You know, they actually need addressing. <laughs> What's the first step? Like, what is one of the techniques that we can start to bring out that's really going to help the way that we react with that person? That's not going to take us into that cycle of behavior that just keeps on repeating itself. So
1: the first thing is to set boundaries and I know that might sound just so obvious but one of the things about uh, the boundaries that we're talking about here we're we're very likely talking about emotional boundaries being crossed is that emotional boundaries are so subtle and often intangible that you can't assume that people will know that the boundaries are there Mm. you just can't because how do they know that you've got this very specific boundary around this very specific way of doing things that you've not told anyone like people aren't mind readers. And so I think even with difficult people, we need to perhaps, especially with difficult people, we need to go back to basics and think, hold on, does this person actually know that I have a boundary around that? So um, let's, uh, uh, for example, I was raised by grown-ups who often raised their voice Um, and I don't love it. It triggers me. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I, what happens is I can become dysregulated if I'm yelled at. Mm -hmm. So it activates my fight flight response. I, which then means I'm not thinking clearly. I become overwhelmed emotionally and I will tend to shut down. So I actually can't, I don't necessarily run. Um, but, I will tend to shut down and I just can't communicate. Now, when I have started not just my relationship with my wife but even relationships prior to that, one of the things I I noticed that I would be in a relationship and for people that didn't necessarily see anything wrong with raised voices would raise their voice in arguments or in times of stress and not realise that that was such a hard line for me. It's just an absolute no-go for me. And so I had to stop and go, hold on a second, I think I need to say this out loud. Like I I think I actually need to say... I'm not available for any conversation where voices are raised. So we're not even talking full-blown yelling. I'm talking even just the most mildest raise in a voice rise in a voice can trigger me. So that is not necessarily a boundary for everyone. It can be very subtle. So we need to go back to basics and go, okay, have I communicated this? Because a boundary is not a boundary unless people know about it. Now Because we're not talking about different, uh, sorry, dangerous people, Hmm. uh, we assume that most people understand sexual and physical boundaries, right? Don't, don't, don't be a dick. Don't hit people. Yeah. Don't, don't go and violate people without their consent, you know, like honestly, like really. So we can just assume that's in the dangerous category. But then we come back to emotional boundaries. They're just so subtle that stop and have a think. Does this person actually know that you have a boundary around this? Um, does the boundary exist? Has the boundary been communicated? Yeah. Now, most people are going to be able to say yes. Most people are going to be able to say, look, I realized the boundary hadn't been communicated and I have tried to communicate it and this person just doesn't care.
0: Yeah. That's- <laughs> so
1: then we go to step two. Okay. So you've tried communicating it and it hasn't worked. What are you going to do now? The next thing is, and this is this can be a really hard thing to swallow, and so I really want listeners to understand that I know this is a really tough truth. Yeah. But I also want you to understand you've got permission for this, and the permission is that as an adult, you get to have um, full consent and full decision-making around which other adults continue to have access to you based on those that harm you. Yeah. So if there is another adult out there that you have ongoing access, uh, sorry, ongoing um, uh, relationships with and you continue interacting with them and they have access to you and your personal resources like your time, your energy, your attention, your love, your care, you get to withdraw the privilege of having access to you if this person is harming you even if that person shares your DNA. So in other words you're allowed to walk away and you're allowed to walk away permanently if this person continues to be harmful to you. Now that's a big thing and now I also want to speak to the fact that you might not want to. Mm. There are series of reasons why we don't just walk around cutting people off, because sometimes it's just not that simple. Sometimes you can't just cut someone off or it doesn't fit with your values and who you want to be to just cut your parent off or to cut your sister out of your life or to completely walk away from a friend that you've been um, friends with for perhaps decades. I get that I get that everyone has particular reasons why they don't want to go down that path. So if you're in that place, then I want to give you another option. And the option is to um, consider grading your contact with this person. Uh, especially if this person has not listened to you communicating your boundaries now. So, for instance, let's say you know and this happens with difficult people, Ed, one of the things that they do is they they're so often so predictable that Uh, if I think about a difficult person, I could describe to you exactly what he's going to do at our next interaction. Yeah, Because I've seen it so many times, and this is how the cycle plays out, because we've seen it so many times and we can almost predict it, we then um, have like an already playing scenario in our head, which means that we can easily lapse back into the pattern that we always do in um, reaction to that. So instead of just having this pattern play out time and time again, consider changing the format of your contact with them. So that might mean that face-to-face contact is something that you're no longer available for. It might instead be FaceTime. So you're not actually sharing the same uh, geographical space. It might simply just be FaceTime on Zoom or on the phone. And if that's too much, you might go to an audio phone call only. If that's too much, you might go to text message and then you might move to email and then you might move to seasonal cards for birthdays and Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. So you're allowed to grade the level of contact so that you're not just cutting this person off altogether, but you're also not putting yourself in the Firing line, knowing that they're going to continue to behave in ways that are harmful. And then finally, I think one of the things that is very much underestimated when we're talking about difficult people, because difficult people get all the headspace, right?
0: Yeah. They get so
1: much attention because of the way that they're behaving that you spend so much time thinking about them, you actually forget about the healing impact of the people who are good for your mental health in your life. So, yeah. Instead of giving so much energy to the people that are difficult for you, try to practice spending more time and attention and energy on the people in your life who are healing for you, because the healing impact of those people can negate the negative impact from the difficult people.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's so important, isn't it? It's so important. And I think, you know, we often, as as you say, like, we feel obligated to give these people our time and energy, and we kind of fall into those cycles. And before we know it, we're the one chasing around after these difficult people. And in some circumstances, we don't even need to, you know, they're not necessarily our bosses, they're not necessarily people that we have to have in our lives, but we just have the, feel obligated. And then every time we meet up with them, we think, God, I feel crap after of that. I don't know why I keep yeah, why doing I it. Ke- exactly. Why do I keep doing this? You don't
1: have to keep doing it. Yes. You're allowed to draw a line in the sand and say actually I'm not available for this. I think getting older has been so great for yeah, me around same. this like I, I for me it's really been true that you just have less care because you realize that you just don't have time for it. I I don't have a lot of time, so I don't have time to spend energy on someone that is driving me up the wall because they're doing things that are violating my psychological safety.
0: No, we're not doing that. (laughs) I have so little tolerance for it because now all I can do, like if I've made the mistake to bother with these people or give them access to me... All that I think when I bother with these people is, God, I could be spending time with my husband or my family or my brothers or, you know, I could be spending time with the people who actually love me and want to spend time with me and also make me feel good and it just winds me up more than anything. So now I just can't do it. A hundred percent as you get older, you just think, I ain't got time for that. None of us do. Not available for that. No. No. Yeah, it's so true. So how do we know then, you know, if we've worked through the scales of access, and we think, right, you know, this is just not working for me anymore, I actually want to lose all contact. Is there like a, a scale where we can... Tell where that line is drawn? I know that's a tricky question, but it's like, is this a definite, okay, you should be cutting this person off? Because we can go around in circles in our own head, reasoning with why we should absolutely keep these people in our lives and we should feel obligated. But is there like a definite line where you would say, no, come on, it's time to get rid of that person?
1: Yeah, I think there's two lines. One, the first line is that perhaps you need to withdraw access temporarily to this person. So um, they might have done something which was next level for you and you think, oh, this has crossed a line. And if you're not sure whether you want to cut them off entirely, maybe you just have some temporary distance from them and see how that makes you feel and see if that is enough to have them change their behaviour and actually be able to see the forest for the trees and understand the harm that they've done for you. Because some people don't actually get that they've gone too far until the consequences are severe for them. Yeah. And then the next thing, the final line when cutting someone else, uh, cutting someone off, I can't, I can't give you that because there's so many different scenarios. Like we could be talking about a trillion different scenarios in someone's life, but what I can speak to is the emotional impact. So if the emotional impact is enough that it's violated your values so deeply then it's very likely that we're moving towards uh, this person not having access to you anymore. And I can think of, so for example, I'm married to a woman when I first um, was in a relationship with Nissa, I dated men all my life. And I, I experienced some microaggressions from my parents. So the microaggressions were things like, oh, um, maybe just, uh, be careful about, um, like, I just, I noticed that you put your hand on Nissa's knee, um, a, in front of Nan and Pop. And so I just don't want Nan and Pop to feel uncomfortable. So maybe just, um, be careful doing that. And, um, so this happened 10 years ago and it's still I I can tell you exactly where yeah. we I can tell you what Mr was wearing like I I was so it's landed in my head so clearly that it hurt a lot and those microaggressions continued for um, some months uh, maybe even a year and my parents are not people who are necessarily going to evolve. And one of the problems with being a psychologist, one of the problems also with just being a person who is in, um, interested in their own personal growth, is that the people who you love, who are around you, probably—I'm not. No, it's not probably because we can choose friends and friend. We often choose friends based on their value and where they're at in their stages of growth. But <clears throat> sometimes family won't grow anywhere near. Um, to your level of growth mm-hmm. and you need to make a choice to accept that, to keep them around or to make a decision around them still being in your life. Now, I wasn't going to cut my parents off over those microaggressions, but it did make me think, how am I going to behave and what am I going to accept from them over time? Now, if I had have gotten into a relationship with Nissa, and they said, look, we don't accept that you love this person because of her gender, then that very likely would have been a situation where I would have certainly not happily cut them off. That would have hurt me very greatly. Um, But that would have been a severe violation. So we would have been certainly looking at that second line where this is not acceptable um, and therefore, no, I'm not doing this. So I think it's, it's very uh, individual. It's very individual in terms of what's the impact on you. What's the situation that we're talking about, you know, and how often is it happening? And do you still have time for it? Like we just said, do you, do you want to be making space in your life for this kind of repetition of harm that's happening? And if not, then maybe this is the time for you to step back and
0: at least try that temporarily, temporary distance and i've heard you talk about this before but also uh, just knowing that some people aren't meant to be in your life forever some people are just there for a season or a time and that and that's okay right it really is okay i think um we we
1: just fail as a culture i think to acknowledge that to be human means to change We are always dynamic. We're always evolving and changing, or at least those of us that are interested in growing and reaching our potential are. And so I think sometimes we have expectations that other people around us will grow at the same rate and in the same direction. And that's just not always true. Mm -hmm. It's not always true. And it also means that um, sometimes we resist against the people that come into our lives because we were in a certain Place at that time, so um, I've had friendships that have been based around jobs, and many of those friendships just don't continue because you're no longer in each other's sphere, and that's okay, we're not obligated to continue to maintain relationships because our paths have gone in a different direction. It doesn't mean that that person was difficult or you were difficult, it just means that you're changing, uh, there's a change of season, and things
0: change as a result of that, and that's fine. I love that. And inevitably when we're going through this, you know, uh, sometimes we will ask ourselves, am I the difficult person? How do yes. we know we're not? Look, I, I really
1: I love the fact that you brought this up because I think it's possibly one of the most difficult um, questions to ask ourselves so is what if I'm the difficult person? Yeah. Um, and I need to tell you about a DM that I received two days ago. Yeah. From a gentleman who has read Difficult People and he said, um, Rebecca, I picked up your book and I think I am a difficult person for so many other people. I am an insecure man. Um, I have lacked self-awareness and many of my coping strategies have had a negative impact on other people and your behave- your book has allowed me to have a much better understanding of myself and why I am the way that I am and I'm committing to doing better. Wow. And honestly I nearly started crying because I've got goosebumps. This- Yes, because it's, A, it's rare for me to hear from a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, most of my work lands um, for people that are women or femme identifying. And secondly, that level of self-awareness is just phenomenal. And so, first of all, I want to speak to the fact that, yes, we can be difficult people, but he's, very clearly, a difficult person that has the capacity to heal.
0: Yeah,
1: I was. I'm also the, a survivor of very complex um, and extensive trauma. That trauma impacted my personality for a time, where I was quite legitimately a difficult person mm-hmm. in my relationships before I did the healing work. Now, most people though are worrying about behaviours of their own that happen in brief context, you know, you're having a bad day or you're having a bad chapter and you're just not being who you want to be. That doesn't necessarily make you a card carrying person. And honestly, genuine difficult people don't go into bookstores and buy books (laughs) called difficult people. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't walk into the bookstore and go, excuse me, where's the self-development section? Like they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. (laughs)
1: They just don't care. And so, um, if you're worried that you're the difficult person, then A, just know that if you're asking yourself that that question, you're probably not. But if you have been difficult then it, and you're asking yourself that question and you're interested in the answer and you want to do the work, then what we're talking about is a period of time where you've been difficult can be healed. And it's the most important work that you'll ever do.
0: Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, really wonderful. And so if we only remember one thing about dealing with difficult people, like what's the biggest thing that you want people to remember?
1: I want people to remember that your peace is priceless and it's also your responsibility.
0: I love that Beck. that is so good I love that amazing thank you so much Rebecca what a wonderful wonderful conversation we're racking up these episodes of brilliant Rebecca Ray insights so thank you so much I really appreciate it thanks for having me Ed Dr. Rebecca Ray is the author of Dealing with Difficult People. She's a clinical psychologist. And as I said, I've also got an episode with Beck on boundaries, what they really are and how to implement them and actually enforce them and stick to them with the people around you. It's going to change your life if you feel like boundaries is a challenge for you. And also, I learned so much. I didn't feel like I was a person who had any problems with boundaries, but I genuinely learned so much. It's fabulous and also uh, giving you insight into whether you might be stepping on other people's boundaries is really brilliant so i recommend you taking a listen I'm going to include that in the show notes as well as all beck's books so you can check that out and where to find her on social media because she's always sharing real useful stuff over there too thank you so much for joining me if you've just joined us for the first time today welcome please subscribe so you don't miss an episode if you're enjoying it leave me a review i'm not gonna start you you might as well just do it and then we can all put that to bed thank you so much for joining me i'm ed start and i sincerely hope that's helpful